Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Maybe you're um, visiting church this morning, you're not a regular church guy and you hear words like prophetic word or um, some other Christian words that we use. Don't get caught up with those words. Get caught up with who it's about. Christianity is not about a whole bunch of do this, do this, do this, don't do this. It's not what it's about. It's about the Savior named Jesus who he, he just walks and, and, and as he encounters and we encounter him, everything changes. That we were formed by a loving Father and then sin and brokenness breaks and we get deformed and then we need to be transformed in his love and he keeps doing that. And he will keep doing that. And he wants to keep revealing himself and revealing himself in amazing stories. Even this week, testimonies um, of an amazing lady in this community who had a stroke a year and a half ago in an ear that, that has had a ringing noise in it for a year and a year, year and a half. I've got kids that make a noise in my ears and I nearly go mad. It's not nearly been for a year and a half. And yet in one touch of Jesus, one, one touch of faith, and, and that's completely healed. God wants to keep doing these things in our midst. It's not about the healing. It's about the transformation. It's about who Jesus is. And it's about people coming to see him in amazing ways and falling before him and worshiping him as God calls us to his stories. And so this move the mountains and, and, uh, and this faith conference and these rising up, but just Jesus calling us and challenging us to be his disciples who believe. We sing words like, I believe in you, and I've, I've realized even in myself, there are times like, do my actions and do my responses reflect that? Always. No, not just sometimes, not on Sundays, in worship, but in everything. When, when the numbers in work aren't quite what I'd hoped, when the, the response from a business partner, a spouse, a friend wasn't quite what I hoped, when people don't get back to your messages, and it, 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 all that kind of stuff that gets people on these emotional roller coasters, no, I believe in you. My eternity is secure in you. The promise of your goodness over my life is assured in you, all because of Jesus. He pulls us into his story. That's why we worship him. That's why we sing to him. But there's this moment, and I want to remind us, and Jesus is challenging, and he rebukes his disciples, says, For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. This is not a Christian mantra, rah, rah, put it on the walls of the church and get everyone excited. This is about Jesus, and it is a word of rebuke, but actually it's more of an encouragement saying, hey guys, I just ask you, I just need you to have a little bit of faith, and I will do the rest. But you still got to have that little bit of faith. I, I want to pull you into my story. These were the disciples. These guys had seen miracles. They'd seen amazing things. Their whole world had been changed upside down, and they'd walked with this king for a year. After year, walking streets, allowing the dust that he kicked up to, to come over them. And Jesus pulls me and says, actually, I want to pull you into so much more. He says, actually, there's so much more. And so last week, I want to contextualize a little bit the gifts that we've had into the church. Because I don't believe we invite people into the church as show ponies. I, I, I did demonstrate a show pony last Saturday. I'm not going to demonstrate a show pony again. No, it's a dangerous thing. No, no, no. No, no, it will be distracting. And, um, but, but we don't invite people in from outside, from other nations to come and minister just to entertain the church. Bring a little bit of life so the church can manage of their life for a little while and then we need another one. And another little show pony to come in and excite the church and, oh, how nice was that? No, God says actually I give gifts to the church 
And I, I gave them. This is actually, they're given by Jesus to his church because he's committed to his church. And he says, actually, I give them for this reason. I want to read why. And then I want to share a couple of things. Says, so Christ himself gave. Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. He says, Jesus himself gives gifts to the church. Some of them are six foot five, and their wife's also six foot five, and they live in a desert named Robin Alitbota. Gifts for the church. He went to this amazing country where the church is illegal as a businessman, encounters Jesus in a country where the church is not recognized. No bank accounts, no legal entities, no realities. They've built a church around actually one of the worst church buildings I've ever seen in my life. I'm not even joking. It's like people sit down there and people sit down there and you can't see the O's around the corner. But it's because it's the only venue they can get. And yet God is there. Jesus is there. Because Jesus presents himself as the one who actually, there's no limitations to where he is. He says, actually, I'm going to put my grace upon these people. But I want them to be a blessing to the nations. And I believe as a church, if we will not just look for the show pony moment. Because it happens so often in the church, guys. Everyone gets excited. I'm just going to keep coming. But the prophet is coming in two and a half months time. And when the prophet comes, I'm going to be there. That's not what it's for. Actually gives these gifts so that we can go out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, growing up in maturity, becoming more like Christ and becoming strong in him so we can count and be equipped for ministry. And so God sent us these amazing gifts at this time, at a time where God is stirring faith in our midst. And themes came up. I don't know if you know this, but themes of the nations again. This church was birthed in a nation in a community of believers, in a bunch of brothers who said, we actually believe the gospel is not just for our suburbs and ourselves, it's for the nations of this world. My earliest memories of church are a lady named Sandy Lauf, who was a single lady, a school teacher, who left and moved to Mongolia. Not to plant a church, to be a school teacher for the gospel. You know who ended up in her class? The president's child. She got to share the gospel with the president of Mongolia. She stayed there for 18 years, a single lady. It's not an easy place to live. Why? Because when the gospel gets inside of us, we realize actually in Jesus, Jesus is a missionary. Missionaries aren't people with name tags. Missionaries aren't people with missionary at the bottom of their signature on their email. Missionaries are those who have the Spirit of God inside of them, who have a love for Jesus. And whether we go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, or the ends of the earth, whether we go from Tableview to Milnerton to southern suburbs, for some that's big, or Durban or Joburg or, or Middle East or Africa, somewhere else. I, I'm going closer now. You've got to go further. So let's go to North America, to outer Mongolia. We have Jesus. And he says, actually, I'm pulling into my story. You're not pulling me into yours. He pulls us into his story. So he's stirring these things. They, they told many stories of healings. And God is stirring. Actually, we're called to be a community of faith who desire to lay hands on the sick and see miracles. Conscious sing the songs. And think we've done the job. We sang the song, tick off. Now, I believe in a God of miracles. God wants to heal barren wombs. God wants to heal deaf ears again. And actually, I believe it's a community that will agree with him and his word and rise up in fashion of faith that will see these things again and trust him. And I want to speak this morning about the main things. 
It's a heavy title. It's like one of those he's been thinking for weeks. No, it's just called The Main Things. Is that all right? And I want to read from an amazing book that um, the, the reason I got Rob in to come and preach is because I've only ever actually heard him preach from this book. And then everything around the book, the book of Acts. The early church, the, these first warriors who encounter the Spirit of God, who encounter Jesus as the gospel begins to spread. And the book of Acts pulls us and gives us a description of what it was like in those early days with much opposition. Where you had church and believers worshipping amongst the Jewish in synagogues because they didn't have places to worship. And then they got kicked out and they encountered challenge and trial. I think it's very inspiring. And I've got four simple points from the book of Acts and then we're done for this morning. Is that alright? Everyone's still Okay. Wonderful. You need to work with me. One of those guys. Acts chapter 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This is written by Luke. It's the second book he's written. His first one's called the book of Luke. Some of you are like, no ways. Seriously. First one, book of Luke. This is the second book, and this guy was a doctor. So when he writes this, as you read, imagine a doctor writing a report. He's reporting what it is. And in the first report, it was the life of Jesus, them following him, the miracles, his death on the cross, and his, his resurrection. And that's where the book of Luke ends. And Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John tell the same story from different angles. And then he steps into this story and starts writing a book of Acts, which is a story of the early church, which is a story of Christ returns. He reveals himself to his apostles. He says, actually, he's got 40 days. I'm going to be with you for 40 days. I'm going to speak about this thing called the kingdom of God. Where God's rule and reign is. Where he breaks into the brokenness of stories. I'm going to pull you in. And then I'm going to give you a couple of mandates. He says, and give you some Holy Spirit inspired instructions. And actually says, actually he gives them many proofs that he's alive. Because you can imagine. Like, now I saw you on that cross. Now I'm here. He speaks to them. He says, he teaches them about the kingdom of God. And then he, bapt- he promises the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What's that? How do we understand? What do we know? Carries on in verse 6. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he had said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky, and as he was going, when two suddenly men, when suddenly two men, two suddenly men gets awkward, two, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside men. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. We come this morning, Jesus, with your word, we come under your word. Thank you for your Bible. Thank you, Spirit of God, you are here. Thank you that just a community in a suburb of Cape Town called Tableview and Milton, you were with us, God. You were leading us. You're wanting to speak. You don't leave us on our own to our own devices. 
You are so committed to your church. You give gifts to come and direct, encourage, inspire, call us to more. So I pray at this time, would your word speak to us? Would your word lead us? Would your word guide us? Have your way with us, we pray, Spirit of God. So four simple points this morning called the main things. The first one is this, that the doers of the gospel, doers of the gospel have to be able to handle mystery, to deal with mystery. And he comes in verse 6, they, they engage this, and most believers struggle with mystery. We like reading mystery novels when it's about a fictitious story, but we don't like mystery in our lives. It's like, what do you want to do today, honey? Well, I'm not sure. It's not a helpful answer. You're learning. Don't, it's not, no, make some decisions. Don't leave them in mystery forever. How are you feeling? Am I doing all right as a husband? Well, we don't like that kind of mystery. It's not helpful. And, um, but actually the challenge is we struggle because we worship an all-knowing God and yet we aren't all-knowing. We worship an all-seeing God and yet we aren't all-seeing. We worship a God of infinite means and infinite understanding, but I'm finite. And we struggle with them. The disciples were on this journey. They journeyed with Jesus. This big thing happens, calls the cross. He pulls them back into a story. And their first question is this. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, at this time are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? What are they saying? Actually, well, in Ezekiel, there'd been a prophecy that when your spirit came, well, obviously you'd restore the kingdom of God. And we thought the first time you came, you'd restore the kingdom of God and some kind of Messiah. But surely you're going to do it now. Why? Because they don't like the in-between period. We aren't good in the mysterious periods, actually. He says, actually, if you want, and, and Jesus comes and he's very gracious with them. He says, they hate the in-between period. We don't want any more bad rulers. We don't want any more sickness. We don't want any more pain. We don't want any more struggles. And Jesus comes and his response is actually unbelievably gracious. And I believe it's one that helps us today as well. He's, he doesn't rebuke them, but he does correct them in their understanding of what's going on. He says to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. This is actually, it's, it's not a bad question. It's actually, it's a good question. But actually, it's not for you to know. The time or dates, it's actually all under the Father's authority. What is he saying? He's redirecting their mystery and their inquisitiveness, and he's placing it back in a trust of God the Father who's in control. And actually, I think sometimes right at the start of going on a journey of mystery and engaging the kingdom of God, there's got to be this understanding in this place and that actually I'm going to be okay with mystery. I, I, I take these disciples and their journey. I mean, these guys, I mean, a doctor. The doctor we were dealing with, with the, all the lady stuff when we were trying to fall pregnant. I don't know how else to describe that. That wasn't the best description. But um, that guy, he was a very practical, pragmatic man who didn't believe in miracles. And then he knew we were pastors. And then he said, you need to do this thing. And we said, no, we're not going to do that. We're, we're going to fall pregnant. He said, but you can't because you're going to need this thing and you're going to do this and this. And I actually, and then when we did come back and, and his words were, well, I don't really know what to tell you. It's a miracle. You're dealing with that guy. Actually, Luke was a doctor. He would have come and, and his gospel has the most accounts of miracles. Why? Because he was the most fascinated by this mystery called miracles. Imagine all these miracles. You want to know how God takes them on a journey and he has to address them in mystery. Well, he has to do the same with us. He's walked with these disciples for three and a half years, three years. He's walked with them. And, and they've watched these miracles. I mean, I look at some of the miracles. The first miracle Jesus does, actually, Peter, throw your nets on the other side. Ah, uh, kind of a fisherman. 
kind of know what I'd do. You're a carpenter. Now throw your nets on the other side. Oh, I've kind of been throwing it down the whole day. No fish. Anywhere. Actually, if it's this side of the boat or that side of the boat, not that much difference. No, Peter, throw your net. Throws his net. Oh! It's kind of mysterious. And you can imagine the disciples going, Whoa, what's happening here? There were no fish here. We know. We fished all night. No, there were no fish here. And actually, it's a challenge because Jesus is dealing with them, and he comes into them and says, actually, I'm the king of glory. I'll do what I want. Does the church, do we, have the dexterity and the, of understanding that God is glorious, that actually God can do what he wants, the way he wants to, how, when, However he wants to. Do we have that revelation as we read the word? Because I look at all these miracles. I mean, there's another miracle. And, and they're in the storm and it's going crazy and the wind's blowing and the, the sea's on its head. I, I don't need like that scenario at all on a little boat myself. I'm not that guy. I'm popping stugger on to try to keep my seasickness under. I don't want to smell the diesel engine. I'm not that guy. These guys are on the boat and the boat's going, whoa. And, and Jesus just, he's dosing under down below. He's just enjoying. He's just enjoying the waves. Say, Jesus. He comes out and just says, be still. Oh, what happened there? Can't work that one out. Can't figure, can't, I've got to get this wrestling. I mean, all the miracles. He feeds 5,000. He takes a few fish and a few loaves. Boom, 5,000 people fed. Either this is the Bible, either it is Jesus, or it isn't. But if it is, we've got to get comfortable with mystery in our lives. And I read the book of Acts. I say, I want everything in the book of Acts. And everyone read Acts 2. And we want that community. We want that, we want that Bible. Actually, I've got to stop believing who Jesus says he is. Actually, everything is under the authority of God. And you don't need to understand everything. You want to be a disciple of Jesus? Give up your need to understand everything. Oh, but I'm an I'm a analytical person. Wonderful. God made you like that. Give up your need to understand everything. It's called obedience. It's called response to someone who is far greater. He walks on water. I mean, talk about mystery. He does all these things. And then, I mean, come on. My favorite one. Where's this guy? I've, I must, I've just done something with my iPad and it's gone like, whoop. Then he comes. He says, actually, they come to him and they're challenging him. And they, they say, actually, what's going on here? This guy needs to pay tax. So Jesus says, no, no problem. No problem. I'll pay tax. I'm not going to pay it the way you think, though. Most of us are like, oh, we're trying to find the bucks. Do it. Jesus says, actually, how am I going to pay tax? A fish is going to come up. He's going to pay your tax and my tax, my brother, out of his mouth. I'm not making this stuff up, guys. It's in the Bible. Read it. Matthew 17, 24. It says, they, it says they're finally they're exempt. It says, you don't want it actually. Um, so go down to the lake, throw in your hook, take the first fish that bites, open his mouth, and you'll find a coin. Now, that's on, that's on CNN or one of those kind of satellite channels. No, that's Jesus. I can't make this stuff up. That's mystery. I mean, I wouldn't even think of that. That's awesome. I mean, Hollywood would be like, that's awesome. But they didn't get there first. Jesus did. And I'm telling you, God's put something inside of us, an appetite for mystery again. If we want to see the things of heaven break into earth, if we believe that the book of Acts was something of a description where we can see the miracles where Peter and John, who were wimps not that far before, now lay hands on the sick and say, actually, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have stand. If we want to see that, We've got to get comfortable with mystery. The disciples took some challenge. I mean, Jesus speaks to a fig tree and it withers. And after the resurrection, he has a second miraculous catch of fish. Not a fluke the first time. 
The church was birthed in mystery. Because we are finite, we want finite answers. But because he is infinite, he wants our trust. Point number one. Point number two is actually we can do nothing without Holy Spirit power. I'm just taking the simple script that we know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Christian life is not meant to be called. I mean, Robin then made an amazing statement and said, young people aren't running to the church because they're scared of the power. They're running to the church because it looks boring to them. Well, yeah, I, can, I can't say amen to that one because then what the pastor going to think? <laughs> the church are never meant to be boring. The church of Jesus Christ are a radical people, a passionate people. They are caught up with bigger stories than themselves. And, and actually, it's not about the falls of the church. We gather on a Sunday, actually, so God can send us out on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, full of power by the Holy Spirit that is inside of us. The Holy Spirit is not the guy we run to when we're feeling down. Oh, he's my wonderful counselor. Play the keys again. There he is. There he is. No, far more than that. It says, actually, I want to come inside of you. I want to infill you with the Spirit of God. I want to anoint you, and I want to give you authority to pull you out so that you get pulled into a Jesus story and stop trying to pull a Jesus story into your story. We spend so much time trying to package Jesus into our story. If you could just get a little smaller, Jesus, and come into my story, it'll make me so much more comfortable. He says, I'm not about your comfort. I'm about the kingdom of God. I'm about actually the fact that you get pulled into my story. Oh, Mark, you're getting very excited about this faith stuff. I thought it would just go away after that. Uh, now, God, we are believers who believe in a Savior. And there's nothing that excites me more when I see people's eyes open to the mystery of kingdom of God going, I actually, I'm telling you now, you pray for someone who's deaf and they get the hearing. They're not asking you, well, how did that happen? They don't want the 17 steps because you actually don't have them. They just want to know who did that. Well, his name's Jesus. It's the Spirit of God with us. He keeps doing it. I have laid hands on the sick and they have been healed. And I'm saying, God, I want to see more again. If I'm being honest, as a leader in this community, at times I've laid that thing down. I feel God stirring and say, actually, church weren't called to be domesticated, safe. We're called to be those who believe that actually it's the same Spirit of God that at Pentecost when they were sitting there and actually they, they were saying, well, you've promised this Holy Spirit. Well, actually, and it says like a sound, like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Would we be okay with that? <laughs> Our worship leader is happy, um, but they, but this happens, this encounter. Even if you're overawed by the encounter and the moment, go look at the fruits of it. Go look at these wimps and cowards who ran away when they took Jesus to the cross. These wimps and cowards who denied him. Who denied him. And one encounter with the Spirit of God, one overcoming by the Spirit of God, and they become these courageous warriors. Peter stands up and preaches, and thousands get saved. And I'm saying, God, if you could do that in my life, could you put courage? Could you put power? Could you pull me from being a wimp and a coward? Because I'm too often a wimp and a coward. Can you fill me by your Spirit and pull me into your story? And actually, so that lives are transformed for the kingdom of God. It's not about building a ministry. It's not about having a name. Well, that guy's got power. Put a sign above him. It's not that. I don't know where that came from. I it wasn't in my notes. But, um, but God's pulling us into his story. We keep trying to pull him into ours. 
says, actually, I'm going to tell you about the early church. They didn't pull me into their story. I pulled them into my story. And they didn't have a clue what was going on, but they lived a wild ride. Mountain movers. And I feel like last week, even as Robin then came in, even as God has been speaking about faith and moving mountains, there's an apostolic recalibration. You know, you go to those guys and they, they, they pick you up by the way. It's my worst thing in the world, by the way. Please don't do it. Where big guys come and they pick you up and everything in you goes, <laughs> I hate it. Gabe sits in meetings with his little red fingers. I'm like, Leave those fingers alone. Go easy, those little fingers. But sometimes God wants to come into our lives and he wants to calibrate us again. The church, he says, actually, I'm so committed to my church to be like me. Sorry, don't tell him I said it. And uh, I said, I so want you to be, I need to come in and recalibrate you. And sometimes I'm going to send a gift from the middle of a desert to do that. Sometimes I'm going to speak a word of courage within. Sometimes I'm going to release gifts from within you because I'm pulling you into my story. And I want the church to stop pulling me into their story. Why? Because we are ambassadors of a mighty king. We carry his name. We carry his authority. We carry his power. And he sent you out into the marketplace. And he sent us out into the world so that the kingdom of God can be extended. Not so that actually... The kingdom of the church or Sunday becomes a bigger thing. None of those are agendas. They might be byproducts at times. But actually, so the broken can come to know his name. And God says, actually, disciples, you like cell phones without a SIM card inside of you. Well, I'm not sure the disciples would have known what that analogy would have meant at the time. But we do, because we all have SIM cards and cell phones. But you know, a cell phone without a SIM card is useless. And then you put the SIM card in, it's still useless. Now you've got, to, you've got to take with faith, you've got to phone your service provider and say, can you activate my cell phone? Baba, there's power. God's saying, actually, I've got to activate my priesthood. You can't just do it by knowing the story. You can't just do it by having walked in these three years. Lots of people know the story. Lots of people have walked for years. Lots of people have heard the stories. Lots have a lot of understanding. God's saying, I want to pull into my story. I want to activate you. <laughs> Sorry. Some of you are like, who is this? Why do they let him... But when someone gets up, and whether it's a worship leader, and I mean, they can sing. People can sing in the natural, but sometimes their moments, it's just God's doing something else. And sometimes it's an electric guitar guy, and he's there, and he's normally in the background, and the light's not so much on him. But sometimes the Spirit of God comes on, the anointing of God comes, and it's the Spirit of God wanting to do something. And that electric guitar becomes a supernatural spiritual bazooka into the heavenly realms, and chains get broken off, and freedom comes in. I want to see that stuff more. I think you do too, because we're made for it. And it's not going to be by the cajoling of a preacher. It's not going to be by the you can do it of a Sunday. It's going to be by us just dealing with mystery and saying, Holy Spirit, you're the promised gift. Who doesn't like gifts? Who doesn't? Anyone? I'm just, my kids are there, and they're like, ah, Christmas, ah. And they're ready to rip. Don't rip that. We wrapped it in newspaper. What's the point? And they're just going to do that anyway. We know different. Jesus says, I'm going to give you a gift. Holy Spirit. Point number three, come out of witness protection. (laughs) Yes, that was a creative idea that happened early in the morning. But it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria. What is he saying? You'll be witnesses. Witnesses come from the word martyrs, which is actually the root word that martyr comes from as well. You'll be my witnesses. 
You've got some lawyers in the room. What do witnesses do? They tell a story to a judge and a jury. And they tell that story as they know it. And then the judge and the jury have to make a decision. We are witnesses, and there are always judges and juries in our world. Jesus says, the day I come into your life, the day the Spirit of God comes, there's a judge and a jury, and they're going to be watching, and your job is to tell your story. So all you, your job is, with power and the Spirit of God, tell your story. Do you know that God loves you? Well, tell the world. Do you know that He is mighty to heal? Mighty to say, well, tell the world. But too much of the church are hiding out in witness protection. I've got the story. And maybe one day I'll tell them if they can get me to court. But actually, I'm so worried about the people might get me in the way. We've all watched the movies. We all, I don't really know what goes in witness protection. But, but we're hiding out. And God's saying, I just want you to tell your story. There's a guy named Wes Copping at, at Milnerton. Most of you don't know him. He's had a pretty rough year, actually, last year. Actually, the truth is he got divorced last year. But Jesus got in his heart at the end of last year. And every time I go to Milton, I meet more people. I'm going, how did you get here? Now, where's Copping? And how did you get here? And they are this guy's, I go to Milton last week after the service, and this guy's sitting down like, who are you? He says, no, my name's Chris. Well, how'd you get here? No, where's this, my mate? He's just telling his story. You don't have to make it up. It doesn't have to be altered. It doesn't have to be changed. He just says, you're a witness to what Jesus has done in your life. Will you tell your story? Will you come out of hiding? Will you come out? Just tell your story. Don't need to package it like the guy on TV or on the guy on the side. You just tell your story the way you tell your story. And watch what God will do. Look at Peter at Pentecost, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, Paul and the king before King Agrippa. I mean, all these great witnesses, they just get pulled in to a great story. And we're always on mission when we have a story. And here's the thing. Too many of us are just going, well, I don't have a spectacular story. You don't need one if you've got a spectacular king. I don't have a spectacular story. I used to regret it. I was like, I got saved at 14 in church and tap danced once or twice, but I actually was always a good kid. Some of you really struggling to believe that. <laughs> and it's like, no, I was. And I wanted that guy's story. It's like radical, boom, crash, boom, bang. I'm like, no, actually, I was at youth meetings on Friday nights. Uh, no, but Jesus. One last point. It says, but you receive power. And I'm reading the same scripture again and again because it's important for us. When the Spirit comes on you and you will be our witnesses in Jerusalem, maybe martyrs, in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It's got to be bigger than us. I like Jerusalem. No, Jerusalem, Jerusalem is important. And in uh, Jesus, as a missionary, he goes on a story. And when he retreats to Jerusalem, he meets a man named Nicodemus. He's a Pharisee, and Jesus shares the love in the gospel, just tells a story. Jerusalem's about people. Judea is about people. They're waiting for the gospel. And maybe for you, Judea is a, a geographical, maybe it's a economic, maybe it's, it's all sorts of other demographic realities that slip into our systems, but actually, some people are going to go preach in Danun this morning. Norbert's over there. He's prepared to preach, but he's here now because it didn't happen this morning, but it'll happen next week. And I'm going, God, you are dealing with our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. You know Samaria? Samaria is not a place. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria is not a place. Every time I go and minister, and if you hear Mark's been ministering there or seeing there, if I went to Durban, I'm praying, God, the one person. The one person. And he revealed this to me. I went to Harry Smith once to preach. Now, if you know Harry Smith... There's not a whole lot there. It's like a nice engine one-stop. 
It's a really nice one. And there's a mountain they all think is Table Mountain, but it's called the Platbeer. <laughs> so I'm going there, I'm saying, God, what are you bringing me to Harry Smith for? It's kind of... I encountered one lady in Harrismith. I preached a bunch of sessions, but I remember this lady, and she sat in front of me, and she was just deadpan, depression all over her story. And she started to tell her story. She couldn't even cry. I don't know if you remember. And um, I just said to her, you know what? How crazy is that? I said, you're going to go home, and something that was dead will come alive. And you will know that your Savior died for you, and this depression will flee. Never left. Never saw her for a while. And about two years later, I went to preach at a church called Three Sour in Pretoria. And this lady walks up to me. I'm like, I know you. Her face, alive. She says, you prophesied this. And she reminded me. I said, yeah, I remember. She said, I went home. And there was a pot that used to have a pot plant in it that was dead, dead, dead. Been dead for months. I'd never watered it. I'd allowed everything to die in my home because actually it was just death in my house. And I got home and this thing just came alive. And I knew that Jesus, Jesus brings life to the dead situations. And God keeps doing that. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth, they're not places. I want to go to America. I want to go to Australia. And it's not about a place. It's about a person. Samaria, a Samaritan woman at a well. Jesus says to disciples, you go in town. He encounters a woman who actually should be his enemy. He shouldn't touch her. He shouldn't speak to her. He says to her, will you give me water? He encounters a conversation. Her whole world has changed. She goes back to her village. She tells them about this man named Jesus. And the whole town comes to hear the gospel. Why? Because one encounter to Jesus, we become missionaries. We don't need all the answers. And I don't actually know how to land this all, but I'm telling you there's some big things. Some simple things. The main things that God is calling us to. The main things, again, as believers of Christ. Will you go? Will you be full of the Spirit of God? Will you trust Him? Will you, will you be able to deal with mystery? I struggle with mystery. I like knowing what's going on. God's saying, will you do this? Life changes church at this time. And just maybe you'll see things of heaven even though you are on earth. Can I pray for us? Is that all right? If you're here this morning and you haven't received the love of the Savior Jesus Christ, I would ask you right now, submit to Him. He is good. He'll bring freedom to your life. He'll bring joy where there's death. And maybe there's not death. Maybe life's been good. I'm telling you, He'll set your life ablaze for a bigger story. Choose him now. Choose him now. And God, I pray for us as a church. You're doing something with us. You're stirring wells of faith and passion again. You're speaking to us. You're sending men and women with faith and courage and stories from a desert to come to the bottom of Africa to speak your truth. Why, God? So that your gospel can go. So your name could be made known in the nations of this world. So that men and women sitting in the safety of suburbia and Cape Town today might make big decisions to worship a God and trust Him on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So that you would get all the glory, King. Grip our hearts. Why don't you just put your hand on your heart for a second and then I'm done. Pray, Father. Grip our hearts. Jesus. Spirit of God.